You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders Yankees podcast for Monday, June 14th. The Yankees were swept in Philadelphia. A couple of bad losses, dropping them just to a game over 500 now. Eight and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees have gone 5-13 and since reeling off 23 wins in 32 games. Remember that three-game sweep over the White Sox? One of the best teams in the league. Since then, they're 5-13, and and they've dropped eight games in the standings over the course of the last three weeks. Certainly uh, beyond time for the Yankees to try to turn things around, but they're still a little deficient in the roster and just overall play right now. And, um, yeah, there are some things that they need to address. Uh, first of all, they need center field and first base have to be stabilized. Those are the two biggest issues as far as I'm concerned. And uh, as we talked about many times here, DJ LeMayu and Glaber Torres, not just little bursts. They have, they need an extended period where they play and hit like they did in the last couple of years. And uh, then you'll see the Yankees offense really come around to the level that's going to hopefully carry them a little bit farther and give them uh, some sort of a push here. Uh, the pitching has been very good for a long period of time. It's let them down a little bit lately. And, uh, you know, they're going to need some help, too. Uh, Bad news over the weekend about Luis Severino. We'll see how long he is out, but his return is not as imminent because of the groin injury that he suffered uh, over the weekend in a rehab outing. Uh, Plenty of time to get to the Yankees. We've talked a lot about them already and all their problems. Go back and listen to some of our previous episodes here, and you'll hear some of my thoughts on the same issues that have really cropped up. And I promise I will get back to them again next time. But I wanted to take a short break here. With Father's Day coming up around the corner, I wanted to offer you some book recommendations for your favorite dad who might be a Yankees fan as well. Um, So conversations coming up here with Ron Bloomberg and Jeff Mangle, both of them who've wrote some books that might be of interest to your Yankee fan fathers and friends. Ron Bloomberg wrote a book with Dan Epstein called The Captain and Me, On and Off the Field with Thurman Munson from Triumph Books. The forward is by Diana Munson, and it's a wonderful look back at the relationship that Ron Bloomberg, a a number one overall draft pick uh, for the Yankees back in 1967, and his... Uh, relationship with young Thurman Munson as they came up as teammates throughout the minor leagues and into the Yankees organization in the early 70s and some fun stories there from Ron Bloomberg and we'll talk to Ron in just a moment. Also coming up in a later a little bit later uh, in just a couple of minutes after that you'll hear a conversation with Jeff Mangold who was the strength and conditioning coach for the New York Yankees for several decades including the championship years in the late 90s. He has written a book called Power and Pinstripes My Years Training the New York York Yankees, written with Peter Body, forward by Mariana Rivera, also available from Triumph Books, 
and some interesting discussions on how players are getting hurt nowadays and the training methods and things like that. I'll get into that with Jeff in just a moment. But first, a conversation with Ron Bloomberg, his book, The Captain and Me, with Dan Epstein from Triumph Books. And uh, I began by asking Ron Bloomberg, what do you remember about the first time he met Thurman Munson? Well, basically, Sweeney... Uh, being the number one draft choice in 67, he was in uh, number one draft choice in 68. I met him in spring training in 69. And when I first met him, uh, we became friends because he loved to fish, he loved to play golf, and he loved to eat. So those are my three vices, big guy. So basically what we did, we played golf, we fished, and I took him being a Jew from the South. And him coming from Canton, Ohio, had no idea what matzo ball soup was. <laughs> so what I did was because Miami was so close, we shot down to Miami and frequently we went to all the delis down there. Mm. So I got him to eat matzo ball soup. I got him to eat pastrami, corned beef, a half sours, Dr. Brown's, potato salad and coleslaw. And he loved every bit of it. So, and then the funny part about it, and when we became real good friends and when we played together, he took me to a, a great hamburger place. And he said, God, you're going to love this place, White Castle. <laughs> because we took it away because it's real big up in the Midwest. White yeah. Castle was real big up in the Midwest. Wow. And he took me to White Castle. So I got screwed a little bit because. Because I took him to the expensive place and it was free <laughs> and it was always free. And when we went to White Castle, I think it was like White Castle was like a nickel every time we <laughs> eat a hamburger. So, hey, we had a good time anyway. It was fun. I think one of the cool things is that you got to know him before he was officially the captain. I mean, the book is called The Captain and Me, but you know him long before he was actually named captain. What are some of the things that you saw in him early on that you knew he was a good leader? As soon as he put on that uniform, everybody knew as soon as he put the uniform on because he was dirty. Uh, he was a typical looking catcher, never shaved. Uh, he had that it factor and he had always, uh, uh, whenever he spoke, you could see everybody lean towards him. Everybody listened to him and he wasn't directly a captain, but he was the team captain. Uh, he had meetings with the pitchers all the time. He knew exactly how to pitch these players. Um, he was a computer in his head. He was just a natural born leader. He was like George uh, uh, General Patton. Mm. And he was a guy that you would love to be in, in the uh, uh, in the foxhole with him. And he, he you knew he was a leader. And we knew before Billy made him the captain and the leader, we knew right off the bat as soon as he came in, because Jake Gibbs was the catcher when we came up. And we knew as, as soon as Thurman, the pudgy body, came in, and we knew when he was behind that plate, he took total control of all the pitchers. And you knew when we, when we had a question, you know, he was always involved. So he was the leader as soon as he got to the uh, 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 to a stadium. You talk about going fishing with him. What are some of the things you guys would do off the field where you could see you could see the side of him that nobody else saw? I mean, he was gruff. He was business. Nobody else really saw him laugh. I mean, what are what are some of the things that you saw that that you know you could tell people about that you you talk about in the book? He was a baseball player. I mean, he was a true 
a, a, a blue collar baseball player, like I guess back in the days, like a Yogi Bear or Bill Dickey, people like that uh, who came to the ballpark ready to go, uh, ready to play, ready to win. Uh, he hated to lose. He hated writers. And I know you never <laughs> met him, but you heard many stories. Yeah. I know that he, uh, the only writers that he really got along with was Dick Young, Rick Foley, uh, Maury Allen, uh, uh, Phil Pepe, people like that. The people that came in, the rookies, oh, he destroyed them. Because if they asked him a question, he would destroy them. But after the ball, after the, when he got out, he was just wonderful. He loved his family. He loved Diana. He loved his kids when he had kids. Uh, he was just wonderful. Uh, we did telethons together. We did the uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh, we did the Shriner telethon. He loved kids. And people don't realize when he saw a kid, he always would give him a ball or, or uh, you know, uh, 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 pictures when we had them. And he was a wonderful, wonderful human being. And he joked and he laughed. And he, and, but when he came to the ballpark, when he put that uniform on, that was work. And he knew that he had a, a game he had to uh, a play. He knew he had a pitcher that he had to take care of. And that's what he did. He was on and off the field. He was just the most unbelievable human being you ever, ever met. Diana Munson wrote the foreword for this book. Uh, you know, so many times, listen, his name comes up all the time around the Yankees, around Yankee fans, and there's always such sadness associated with it for obvious reasons. But this something that you don't hear often is just something that makes people laugh about Thurman, something that's a happy, funny memory. What's one of those for you? I think the great part is when uh, I always used to uh, get to the ballpark early and always get uh, uh, the clubhouse guy, not the clubhouse, but the uh, bat boys at that particular time, we always had them go up uh, to 161st to all the delis up there. They get some pastrami, corned beef, knishes, uh, 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 hot dogs. And Thurman would always eat hot dogs and always go to the, not well, always would go behind home plate a lot of times with mustard and ketchup <laughs> on them. And people don't realize it. And I knew about it. You know what I mean? And he loved it. And But Thurman was just a regular guy. He loved to have pranks. He loved to do things. Uh, but people, you know, when when the writers came in, he, he it was like hush, hush. It was business. He didn't want to, you know, give the writers any type of things to write about. Because the writers, as soon as they came in, they he knew they wanted it was their job to get scoop and he didn't want to be in back of the paper. He wanted to be in the paper to, sh to say that he, he, he called a shutout when he called a shutout. He loved that. And when somebody made a mistake and it was a mental mistake, he would go out and really uh, get them out, you know, when they came in or he would really say something out on the mound. But when they make a physical mistake, he'll go out and, would tell jokes and say, well, it's a good looking girl in the third uh, row up there. And so you got to see her. And, you know, just things like that to calm you down. He knew how to, because everybody had a different uh, makeup. Every pitcher had a different makeup. You know, some people had to be cuddled. Some people had to be pushed. Some people had to be kicked in the butt, but he knew exactly how to reach their button. And that's the type of person he was. 
The Captain and Me, On and Off the Field with Thurman Munson from Triumph Books by Ron Bloomberg with Dan Epstein, the forward by Diana Munson. Now on to Jeff Mangold, the former strength and conditioning coach for the New York Yankees. And of course, we began by talking about what is wrong with injuries in today's game. It's a combination of, you know, the common denominators are baseball is it's like an explosive game. The players can for 10 to 15 minutes at a time be quite lax might be there. They just jog in and out from the outfield and they don't really sprint or they don't really throw hard or swing hard. And then at a certain moment, then they have to rotate explosively swing or, or go first to third after not sprinting for 15 or 20 minutes and on different surfaces. And, but it's uh if somebody could bottle the potion to eliminate injuries or to extend their careers, uh, uh, they'd be like Zach Brown with their toes in the water and their rear ends in the sand. <laughs> yeah. But uh, players are, are so powerful and strong that their connective tissue, their tendons and ligaments just can't handle the torque after a while. Uh, but baseball players have been strong for a long time, but I think with all the uh, nuances to improve bat speed and arm speed and running speed that it, it has continued to put an emphasis on on teardown. The one criticism that that I hear from a lot of people is just players just lift too much. Do you think that's true? I, I'd say no, but I, I think where the the too much might come into play is getting away from the, the term specificity of training. I know that's a strange word there, okay. but it's, it's being specific to the sport that you're playing and to train for that specific sport. There needs to be recovery involved in between workout sessions, especially planned over a 162 game season. Enlargement of muscle is not needed. It's just the explosiveness and to try to refine the fast twitch fibers as much as possible related to the game of baseball. But a lot of it too, Jeffrey, isn't it also trying to stay strong throughout the course of a long year, starting in February and hopefully with the goal of October, uh, players are trying to keep themselves strong so they don't wear down. And as you know, there um, is a, a great shift and a crackdown over the last few decades on what players are allowed to use in order to keep themselves uh, strong throughout the year. Yeah, there is. And it's it took a while for the governing body of Major League Baseball to agree to have uh, performance enhancement drug testing. You know, players are always going to try to stay ahead of the game in some capacity when it comes to testing and for performance enhancing drugs. But uh, there is a increase in the in the in the strength factor like we talked about of getting too strong for what the body can handle. The tendons tendons and ligaments don't increase in their their strength, it's the, it's the muscle fiber. So that if you're getting too strong, then you're going to go ahead and have tears and uh, strains. Your, uh, your career began in the 80s at the big league level. So I think you saw this transition. I think you're in a unique position to talk about this. You know, the old stories used to be players used to come to spring training to get in shape. Well, they better really be in shape now in spring training or else they're going to be behind. Uh, the shift to year-round training, when exactly did you see that happen and what kind of an effect do you think that's had? Well, I, I believe I first saw it is when I was hired by the Yankees in 1984. The year-round program that I instilled would give them 
about a month and a half off after the season just to recover, uh, play tennis, golf, travel, but they needed time for their bodies to recover and, and mentally to recover. And then to try to increase their fitness level by the time they, they reported to spring training so that they could perform, they could go through their skill work efficiently instead of trying to uh, become, uh, increase their fitness to play. So that it, it, there wasn't a, a two-pronged job. It was more of let's work on your skill. And because you are in shape, ready for that, to go through those movements. One of the problems I think that um, is hard to control People don't just listen to you. They have their own personal coaches. And listen, there is an element to that that you can understand when a player is responsible for his own uh, career and his own personal wealth. It's not just being part of the team, but this is your job. So you're going to have some people pulling at you or you're going to have your own ideas. How much do personal coaches interfere with the idea of what, as an organization, you're trying to get across for each individual player? Yeah, specifically for me, Sweeney, in my history there, there was a five or six year period where there were multiple personal trainers involved with, with the players under my tutelage. And that to be able to have a, uh, to govern the players, for me to be responsible, I was a strength and conditioning coach. And for me to have a 100% feel for these players, that was the carpet was pulled out from underneath my feet and it was a danger zone. And that danger, danger zone pretty much exploded. And that to have constant control or to be able to, to know what a player has done in the last few days, not, and if it's done not underneath my tutelage, then it's a, it's a very gray area again. A possibility of overtraining, uh, undertraining, and it's just a, a total you know skepticism of of what's going on. Your book, in addition to some of your thoughts and philosophies and, and training, is is really just a look back at your career uh, with the Yankees, which spanned a couple of decades. And there's some fun stories in there too. This isn't all just about the heavy stuff that we're talking about now. You somehow got the broken shards of Mike Piazza's bat. How in the world did that happen? Well, at being in the dugout, as you know, Sweeney, I was, uh, that was what the... <clears throat> 2000. Yeah, 2000 uh, with the Subway Series yeah. in Piazza and Clemens. Game two at Yankee Stadium. Clemens came in with a fastball and probably jammed him. And Barrel of Bat goes out to the rocket and he fires that thing in there. And as usual, the clubhouse the uh, bat boys go out and get the shards of the bat and would bring it back into the dugout and would actually place it right where i usually stand i stood quite a bit right by the bat rack so they brought it in and uh laid it down against the wall and i realized man this this is a valuable piece of wood here so just to let the fans know a little bit here that I ended up, instead of just letting it be discarded and thrown away, I grabbed it. I took it after Eddie Layton, after the inning ended and Eddie Layton was on the keyboard. Da, 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 da. I just walked up into the clubhouse and I put it into my locker. And as it, as it is in the book, I had it, I took it home and had it for about 13 years in my office at home. Got to a point where I said, uh, 
probably about five or six friends knew about it that I would I'd share with them. And it got to a point with my my kids all entering, two of them entering college and tuitions coming up that I I gave Heritage Heritage Auctions a call out of Dallas, Texas, and and inquired with them if uh, what would be the process to to auction this bat off. So we spoke on the phone, and then authentication took place because there were some people that was doubting the authentication of it. But I knew all the way that this was Piazza's Piazza's bat, and that even on the pointed edge of the barrel of the bat, there was still dirt from Yankee Stadium on it, plus the cleat marks that Piazza would, in between each pitch, he would take the bat and cling it against his shoes, <laughs> his spikes to get the mud off. And sure enough, on the barrel the, on the barrel there, there are all types of cleat marks from Piazza doing that. So I'll let them read. They can, this would be a great, uh, a great read for them to bring into it. And uh, your uh, your personal relationship with Mariano Rivera, he wrote the foreword for you. Uh, how how special is the relationship you had with him? Yeah, Mariano, as, as you said, is just a unique individual. Very blessed. Continued to be a good friend to this day, and he was gracious enough to do the foreword for me. But what what originally brought us close, this helped in our friendship, was that where I grew up in Sioux City, Iowa. There's a college there called Briarcliff College, and they have a pretty good basketball team. And the head coach there started a pipeline of players from Panama. And within a four or five year period, there ended up being about five or six Panamanians that would come to Briarcliff and play. I used to work out and train as a high school athlete in Sioux City at the Briarcliff facility. So I got to know these Panamanian basketball players, good friends with them. I even went over and played with them at, on the court. And I mentioned these players to Mariano, Orlando Frazier, uh, Ernesto, Tito, Malcolm, Mario Butler. And Mariano goes, oh, my God. Wow. How do you know these guys, Jeff? Jeez. And I told him, this, told him about uh, working out with them and being with them. That's, that started it off. But Mariano's just so, so unique and so gifted and so calm. As he says, he was born to be in the moments that he was on the mound for the Yankees. Power and pinstripes. My years training the New York Yankees. Their former strength and conditioning coach, Jeff Mangold, wrote this book with Peter Body, forward by Mariano Rivera. It's also available from Triumph Books. Some recommendations for you as we get close to Father's Day. And if you're looking for some of those last-minute gifts, books are always a great thing. And those are a couple of good ones for you there if your Yankee fan fathers and friends uh, are looking for something. I want to remind you all to come back here and check out the WFAN Baseball Insiders. You'll get Ed Coleman's Mets reports and my Yankees reports delivered right to you. Also check out the 30 with Murdy podcast on the same Odyssey and Apple podcast platforms. My last conversation was with Scott Bradley, the head baseball coach of Princeton University. We talked to him about some of the uh, things that are trickling down from the major league level. Scott is a former big league catcher, came up with the Yankees in the 1980s, and some of his thoughts from playing in the big leagues to now coaching at the college level, a very successful coach at Princeton, some of the things that have trickled down in the way hitters are approaching things at the big league level that are now trickling down maybe to a troubling level at the high school and college games as well. So please check out 30 with Murdy 
at Odyssey and Apple Podcasts. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.